Hey everyone, it's Tom Hoare. Welcome back for another episode of our BNY Mellon Perspectives podcast series. Today we have a really energizing and uplifting discussion between two incredible leaders. Eden Bridgman Sklenar, chairwoman of Ebony Media, joins us for a discussion that is led by our very own global head of human resources, JoLynn Anderson. You know JoLynn from prior episodes. And as you may know, Ebony has been one of the most influential brands in America for decades. It was launched in the mid-1940s, and it was really the first media company to shine a light on the Black and African-American experience in the United States. And it gave these communities an important and powerful voice in the mainstream. And earlier this year, Eden Bridgman Sklenar bought the iconic Ebony brand and brought it under her family's multi-generational company, Bridgman Sports and Media. And at only 34 years old, she is bringing a new, fresh perspective to this media platform which has had such a huge impact on the cultural fabric of our nation for decades. Eden takes us behind the scenes of relaunching a media company like this with such a long and significant history in this digital era. And she shares her vision for Ebony as a brand of the future, one that will help make media more inclusive, more accessible, and more engaging for more people than ever. And she also talks about the incredible impact that her family and their business has had in the communities in which they work and serve. And in this conversation, she and JoLynn also have a really inspiring and authentic dialogue about their own journeys and share a little bit about their experiences as black female executives and leaders in different industries. It's really inspiring and they're just two incredibly impressive people. We're so excited to bring you this conversation. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We adapted this from a recent virtual fireside chat that our BNY Mellon wealth management business hosted. As always, please listen, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thanks, as always, for joining us for BNY Mellon Perspectives. I'm really pleased for the program that we're hosting tonight. It's an opportunity to reinforce BNY Mellon's commitment to supporting diversity and inclusion, Black and minority-owned companies and brands, and women's leadership and entrepreneurship. And it's really my pleasure and privilege to introduce Eden Bridgman Sklenar. She's the owner of Ebony Media Group and CMO of Mana Inc. and Bridgman Food. Ms. Bridgman Sklenar has been with Mana and Bridgman Food since 2009. She served as the regional marketing manager for two years before taking a leave of absence to complete her MBA in entrepreneurship at Loyola University, Chicago, Quinlan School of Business in 2011. She received an induction into the International Business Honor Society in 2013 at the conclusion of her MBA program. And she now serves as a board member and the program director for the Bridgman Charitable Group since 2017. This group produces an event that I know many of you have heard of called the Trifecta. It's an annual Derby Eve Black Tie Celebrity Charity Gala in Louisville, Kentucky. And last but certainly not least, any day now, Eden is welcoming and adding another title, perhaps the most important title to her impressive resume of accomplishments, first-time mom. Eden, thank you so much. Welcome to our program. No, thank you. Thank you, Jolene. And so honored to be here. Excited to um, share my story, my family's story, and and you know, hear from the audience questions as well, um, what we're trying to do and and see the future um, through, you know, Ebony. So had to make sure we we represented the brand just right tonight. 
I already told you, I love the sweatshirt. I cannot wait till I get an opportunity to get one of my own. It's beautiful. So I'm, I'm really glad to see you repping the brand. Um, okay, first things first, I know I did the introduction, uh, but I did Google you, I will confess. <laughs> and I, I promise it wasn't in a stalker way, but I did. Um, and here are some of the headlines that came up. How this Kentucky Derby Eve party maven is relaunching Ebony Magazine for a new generation. Eden Bridgman's Glenar, did I really just buy Ebony? The owner of Ebony Magazine, after $14 million buyout, its new millennial owner talks, it talks a historical launch. And there are just many others out there sort of talking about the work that you're doing in this space um, and, of course, the background and work of your family. So I got to start with the first things first. Let's rewind a bit to 2019 before the Ebony deal. You've shared already that the family was interested in purchasing another brand, perhaps Sports Illustrated, not too long before the Ebony deal, but you obviously went in this different direction. I just love to hear some of the conversations that were happening, some of the rationale. You know, why did you ultimately decide to go with the purchase of Ebony? And did you always know, you know, as a little girl growing up that you wanted to add media mogul to your family business portfolio? Well, I can tell you that prior to July of 2019, I can tell you, like most people, I was just someone who knew Ebony, obviously grew up looking at the magazine, wishing I could be on the cover, um, Jet Magazine as well, wishing I was the Jet Beauty of the Week one uh, one day. Um, but truly, it was July of 2019, um, my family, we have quarterly business meetings um, where we sit down and kind of talk about what's happening with the business, new opportunities. And my father presented um, to my siblings and I that Ebony was um, up for potential acquisition. And if we wanted to pursue, because we knew that with this brand or brands compared to some of the other business ventures, that we've been blessed to get into, this was going to require our family to come out of the shadows for lack of better words. Um, we tried to operate as quietly as we possibly can, but we knew with this acquisition, it was going to bring a lot of press. You were gonna be in the news. So as a family, we all had to agree. Now for me, I felt that this was a definite opportunity to lean into not only some of the things I've been blessed to do outside of the, the the core business for our family, but the idea of some of the things that I've been exposed to. I felt that this was a legacy play absolutely for my family and wealth creation, which is absolutely something that we focus in on, but the opportunity to make sure that something that is so important to um, people of color and and you know 75 years of history, but also to American history. We say that Ebony and Jet um, are, are legacy brands that are woven into the American kind of fabric. So we wanted to make sure if we could to bring these back and to steward them in a way that not only for African-Americans and what it means to the community, but also just to American and really global. You know, when we the news broke about um, the acquisition, 
I got messages from all over the world saying, please bring Ebony to Brazil, bring it to you know South Africa, bring it to London. So we knew the power of it, but it really was July of 2019. I had no idea that this was about to change my life for, for ways that I could not have foreseen. I so can relate to everything that you're sharing. I remember being a young girl growing up and the power of seeing faces that look like ours represented in in print and in media and the absence of that and what that felt like. And I can tell you that even today, you know, I have young kids who had a school assignment where they had to identify pictures of people who looked like them. And I still struggled when I went into the store and picked up a magazine to find images that reflected the life that they were leading. So it's so important, um, I think, the work that you're mentioning. But I can imagine, you know, to your point in 2019, here it is, okay, you've decided the deal's happening, and now it's finalized. What did that feel like? What were some of your first thoughts? Well, I mean, naturally, you're like, did we make the right move? I mean, you know, $14 million is should we use it in a different way? I mean, there's a number of things that, you know, that money could obviously um, purchase and, and acquire. But I would say from closing, which we closed on the the acquisition January of this year, um, it still hasn't sunk in. I mean, it truly is something I wake up every day and pinch myself and say, I can't believe I am in a position to have the opportunity to steward these brands into the future, to make sure, like you said, your kids can see themselves, that they have a voice, that they feel like they have that home, um, which is, has been missing in the marketplace. You know, Ebony and Jet were that voice. They, they were the truth within the community that you knew if it was printed in Ebony, if it's printed in Jet, you knew that was factual information. And so we want to make sure that we're able to bring that level of not only feeling of home, um, but that idea that if it's printed digitally now, maybe not so much <laughs> getting it in, uh, you know, the monthly subscription at home, but the idea that that factual information, that your voice is being heard and that we are positioning it to be a shield as well for the community to say no these things are not okay and here's why, or here's the information for you to better your life um, and the resources as well. Cause we want to make sure it's not just information because you can find information anywhere, but the tools and resources needed for a community to continue to move forward. That's where we see the power of the brands being able to move into um, under, under our leadership. It's every time you talk about it, and I, and I have to say, I feel it as well. I can hear the sense of responsibility that you feel um, about sort of being in this space. It's definitely both a privilege and a responsibility and how seriously you're taking that sense of how do you take this iconic brand, this the, the challenge of a 75-year-old iconic brand and make it new again. How do you approach something like that? I'm sure it's exciting but how do you anticipate sort of moving forward in the, in the sort of new age? I think, you know, the, that goes to the lessons that I've learned over the years. I've been blessed with parents. You know, my father obviously gets probably 
the most press <laughs> out of out of the entire family. But truthfully, both my parents, my mother being the one that made sure, you know, my father was able to go out and accomplish all that he was able to do. So seeing two entrepreneurs, my father obviously, you know, more the definition of what most people think, but my mother had to be an entrepreneur within our house, had to make sure that the house ran a certain way. So there was an idea of servant leadership and the idea of surrounding yourself with people that can be the expert, even if you're not. As you mentioned in the introduction, my background is not in media. It, it, there was nothing about my career path thus far that anyone would have thought, oh yeah, she's gonna get into media. That's a absolutely likely step within her career path. But one of the first things that we said was that we had to surround ourselves with experts, with the A-team. Ebony and Jet deserve the A-team in order to bring it into prominence. Not just the idea of it being a leader within Black media, but we say it has to be a leader within media overall. So one of the first things once we identified that this was something we wanted to pursue, we made sure that we went out and found someone who really understood the business, who could lead it from a CEO level, and that was Michelle G. And we, you know, funny enough, I never knew her prior, and she did not know who I was prior to her coming on board. And it was the power through a Black woman's network. I just sent a text to a few friends saying, by any chance, do you know anyone within the media space that can point me in the direction or or be someone that could fill this role. And a dear friend of mine, Tawana Bain, put me in touch with a mutual friend of um, uh, Michelle's. They kind of talked and then Michelle and I, one text is what I sent her of saying, I have this opportunity. I know you don't know me, but do you mind getting on the phone? Um, and she did and the rest is history. So the idea again of that servant leadership, being able to, to step back and let others, you know, kind of lead, um, as well as surrounding yourself with, with truly the best and, and people that are smarter than you, um, and not having that be at all, um, something that your ego or anything like that, um, feels, well, I need to be the expert. And it's like, no, I need people that can make sure they understand it, they can digest it, and it's on me to package it together and move it forward. So, so that was kind of the process um, and has been the process ever since as we built out our entire workforce. I love so much about everything you just described, um, and we're going to try to unpack some of it, um, sort of the the value of your family, servant leadership, entrepreneurship, and the power of the network. I often wonder how many other deals are made by sending out a message to your network, right? And that's how deals are made. But to have it happen among Black women, the power of that, right? Friends in the community, women coming together, saying what connections can we make? And then that leading to two women coming together to really transform this brand. It's a very powerful story. And I'm so glad that you shared it. And again, there's so much to unpack there, but let's start, let's start with family because mm -hmm. you've referenced that. I know that that's important to you. The concept of family, 
really does mean a lot. And of course, while I was Googling you, I also had to do some research on the family Mm -hmm. and also found headlines talking about your dad, um, who your dad junior, who played in the NBA for 12 years. And while I was doing my research, I stumbled upon articles talking about how Junior Bridgman turned $350,000 into a $600 million fortune. Um, and it was from being a franchise e owner, starting out with two or three Wendy's to growing to hundreds of Wendy's, eventually adding brands like Chili's and Blaze Pizza, Jimmy John's, many others, to now becoming one of only three Coca-Cola bottlers and being from East Chicago mm-hmm. to really kind of create this opportunity. I mean, what a fantastic story, but I think what was equally powerful was just how your family always gave back to the community. Yeah. Why was this so important to you? What lessons did you learn sort of growing up in this family of, of achievement and accomplishment that now really carry up, carry with you today? You know, my parents made sure that my siblings, so I have two older brothers, although if they were on here right now, I would say I'm their big sister. Um, so that lets you know the dynamics within the family. Um, but but truthfully, my parents came from very humble beginnings. My father from East Chicago, Indiana. My mother grew up on the west side of Louisville, Kentucky. Neither one of them came from means, but they had parents as well that instilled a work ethic that propelled them forward. So once my parents became a unit, and the idea of raising their children and the values that they wanted to instill us, part of that work ethic was understanding each part of the business. So my first job was not in the office. It was not as a C-suite level um, individual. My first job was actually as a janitor. And my parents wanted to un- wanted my siblings and I to understand each level and the importance of each individual within the organization. Not that if our career path was going to lead us to be a janitor, and there's obviously nothing wrong with that, but the idea of understanding each role and to work it and to to be able to, to have the value within the organization itself. So my brother Ryan and I, Um, We would come after school, after all activities, and we would clean the office, cleaning toilets. That is is not a glamorous summer job, Eden. That is not. not, That is not. It is not. To even, we had to work within the restaurants. You know, I know how to drop fries and flip a burger and seat you if I have to. We had Chili's restaurants and we had to work within the business because Nothing was going to be given to us. And one of the the values or I should say um, words that or phrases really that my parents love to say is their money is their money. It is not my money. So we had to understand how to work and to, to create opportunities for ourselves because nothing was ever going to be given to us. The only thing that my parents said that they will make sure to support us in is education that that was going to be their gift, but everything else we had to make sure we worked at because if we didn't, we wouldn't understand the value. And especially for them coming from such humble means, they understood the value of every single dollar. And my siblings and I being blessed um, with financial means and such growing up, they had to make sure to instill that. So 
each one of us, you know, within our career path, um, I think it was truly the lessons that my parents instilled in us and why we're able to be in the positions we're in within the company. That's fantastic. And it's really important to hear that you said that you were instilled those lessons of hard work and, you know, growing up, getting your hands dirty, literally, um, with the business to really make sure you understood each part of it and that gift that your parents gave you of appreciation. And again, I know this concept of giving back and community impact is so important to you as well. Tell me more about your work in that space and equally why that is another foundational value that's part of of what you learned with the family and that you guys demonstrate in the communities you support. Absolutely. So the name of our restaurant arm for the business is Mana Incorporated. And the reason why is obviously Mana from Heaven. Um, So we're, you know, a Christian-based company. So the values, obviously, of our faith being that too much is given, much is expected. And so that idea of community um, and giving back is is instilled from those values and understanding that at any moment you can your whole um, life can be turned upside down. So the idea of making sure that you're continually giving back and and appreciating everything that you're given and not taking it for granted um, again comes from the uh, the values of our our faith in living that out and practicing that um, day in and day out. So some of the things that we've been able to do, not just with, you know, with fundraising and things like that within the community, but also taking care of our employees. We say we're a people first company. We just so happen to do an insert, you know, the company, whether it's Wendy's or or some of the other newer ventures for Coca-Cola. And even we say with Ebony and Jet that we are people first. And so with that means we have to take care of our people, both inside and external, um, implementing programs that give back and lift up their lives. One of the things that I grew up experiencing and then was able to make sure it continued was at Christmas time, Um, We host kids Christmas parties for our managers, for all of our restaurants, manager level and above, that if you have a child that's 12 years old or younger, we give them a gift. We allow that parent to submit a toy request. Obviously, there is a certain dollar amount associated with it, Um, but they're able to submit a, a toy request. And we host a big kids Christmas party in all the markets um, that we operate in. And again, a chance for those families to be able to come together for Santa to be there. There's games and and food. And it's a time for the, the family to not have to be in stress, for us to give back that time that we know day in and day out, they're working hard in our restaurants. So this is a way that we can give back. So for our family, we say people matter. Again, not just the the organizations that we support with the trifecta and at Derby and throughout the year, but also the programs that we want to support for our employees who have given us the opportunity to have the blessings that we have in life. That's fantastic. And I that motto on top of sort of saying people first, right? You have the values that you live by. And then no matter the venture, whether or not it's restaurants or media or bottling, you still incorporate that value of people for first faith-based 
um, sort of values, all the things that make that have made you successful thus far and keeping that part of what you do. I think it's really, I think, an important lesson to share and, and very helpful uh, to, to see that that plays out in ways that have enabled you to be so successful as you kind of continue the next generation with the family. You know, we talk about one of the reasons why, frankly, that we wanted to bring this story to the stakeholders that we as BMY Mellon have a chance to engage with is because, you know, as we look at Black wealth and the wealth gap, uh, we all know that there's still work to be done in that space. And 2020, as we all know, was a year of a lot of things happening, but certainly from a social justice perspective, was a year of highlighting and transitioning the work that still needs to be done to bring communities together. And as we think about the racial wealth gap between black and white families, what, what are your thoughts on that as somebody who, you know, sort of sits in this space and what can companies like BNY Mellon, like Ebony, what can we do to really help our part to close that gap? Yeah. So to answer your first part, I would say, you know, it's, it's inter- last year has been extremely interesting because I think it really did expose that there's still so much work to be done. You know, you think about the timeline of, okay, well, um, you know, the the freedom of the slaves kind of going even further back um, to the idea of the civil rights movement and kind of what my parents can share in, in those, um, I say more seasons in life than I am about that. And then you think, okay, well, I'm now at this point, or we're all at this point, we should be so much further ahead. And I think what the past year exposed was there was so much work still to be done. And I think the first step is acknowledging that, you know, so many people want to think, oh, well, that was in the past. And that's not something we have to talk about anymore. And you see individuals or families like myself, you see individuals like Um, LeBron James or, you know, all of these individuals being able to amass a large amount of of wealth, but the idea that it's still not spread out um, either diverse enough or it's just not spread out amongst enough people. So the idea of first being able to acknowledge and to second, listen, you know, and that's the piece that I feel has been missing so much. People want to quickly give their opinions, quickly answer. But the idea that we all have to sit back and kind of listen. There are points on each side that we first need to understand why is it that you feel that way or why is it that the organization hasn't been able to move forward or why employees feel that there isn't a pipeline to the C-suite, to the executive level in order for their family's trajectory to change? Why is it that, you know, housing or, or access to certain resources are still not available? It's, it's instead of saying, ah, no, that's, that's not, you know, true. There's a sense of kind of being humble with the idea that I need to sit back and listen. And then once you listen, Again, surrounding yourself with the experts that can implement, whether it's the programs to provide the resources necessary to actually begin to tackle it. And then the, and then the last piece I would say 
is being humble enough to know we're not all going to get it right and that we have to come with a sense of grace with each other in understanding that that everyone's intention is not always negative, but that they're trying. And that as long as we're moving forward collectively, and that as a group, we try to implement the resources. And when we get it wrong, we sit back, we listen, and we kind of go through this cadence all over again. I think that's when you're going to start seeing the, the idea of things being able to move forward. And with Ebony and Jet, as we bring those forward, we look for partners who are willing to do that type of work, that are willing to listen, willing to understand that assets, you know, from advertising with us when they send it over and it's, mm, there's not a person of color in that, that doesn't look good to run on our site. And that entity being open to understand why that's not appropriate and what do we need to do to make sure when you want to talk to our audience, here's how it needs to be. And again, that listening to implementing, if it doesn't go right, that we go back to the table, we listen and kind of create that type of dialogue um, with each other. So for me, that's that's kind of how I've I've looked at what has happened and my process of trying to understand how do we move forward um, the next steps that we need to take. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. This concept of listening, leaning in, hearing, really thinking through the solutions and coming together to create the connections that are going to solve it. Um, it is the first step. And I that is one thing that I do believe always is that this is this is not something that we can solve on our own. It really is an ecosystem that we have to build between financial services, between entrepreneurs, between media, between communities to really develop collective solutions. And that can only come through partnerships and listening to one another. So I I thank you so much for sharing that perspective. I notice in your wonderful sweatshirt here, um, your wonderful hoodie that I've been admiring this entire time on on this chat, that the B is in red. Tell us why, what is the significance of that? Is that just fashion? Or does it mean, does it mean something more? So um, most people in, I say internally have have said, did you all do that just because Bridgman and the B and you guys wanted to highlight. So it has nothing to do with, with my family's last name. I can start by saying that, but when Michelle and I were thinking, okay, we have 75 years we're standing upon as far as legacy, heritage, we needed to come out and make sure that individuals understood that not only were we going to lean into that heritage and make sure that the new generation understood. You know, I'm 34 and people might think that I'm young, but in truth, there are individuals that really did not grow up with Ebony as its prominent. So we said we have to educate them on why Ebony is so important both historically, but also the idea of why it is relevant today. So the Bs actually stand for some of our core values that we are leaning into and bringing forward. We said we have to be bold, bold in the idea of having the tough conversations, being bold in the idea of remembering some of what John Johnson did on within the idea of the covers and the imagery and the 
these stories that are in the magazines that passed. We also said that we had to be brilliant, that the idea of being Black and, and what that means, that we are a brilliant you know, community and we want to show that brilliance, not only from what happens within the company and what we're able to create, but the brilliance within the community, making sure that those stories and those opportunities to share the brilliance of African-Americans or really people of color all over the world are brought out. And then also we said, beloved, that idea of community, you know, the idea of we are all in this together. My journey might look different from yours, but that doesn't mean that I am at all your enemy or that I should be, you know, looked at as not someone to reach across and make sure that, do you have what you need? And kind of vice versa for me to be able to ask I don't have all the answers and you do. So within the community, let's work internally to lift each other's lives up. So there's a set of various different Bs that we have identified. And that's where we wanted to make sure that that B um, was prominent in that you knew, you know, the ebony is still here, but we're new and we're going to lean in and bring um, our new authentic self into the world. Excellent. Beloved, brilliant, bold, really good words, of course. Um, and if you had the B and the N and the Y, then maybe that would be B and Y, right? I know. <laughs> Speaking of being bold and brilliant and innovative, we all remember sort of the fashion that Ebony would bring, Ebony Jet would bring, and uh, bringing bold designs in ways that were new to our community do you have thoughts on how you may partner with underrepresented talent, with fashion designers, with other content? Like, what sorts of things have you started to think about in these early days in terms of features that you want to do to tap into these untold stories that often uh, don't get the platform that they need? Absolutely. So I one of the things from a business standpoint that enticed me the most because yes, we can sit here and talk about, oh, Ebony, the legacy and the feel good nature of it, but I'm a businesswoman through and through. So there had to be a whole streamlined business kind of strategy in order for this to be a worthy investment. So for me, when I stepped back and I said, you know, Ebony, Jet, okay, what is the real business behind this? It really was the fact that the brands can move into industries um, in a way that others can't. It has the brand cachet. So when you talk about fashion, Ebony, not only from you know apparel like my own um, that can partner with, with different Black designers um, to create um, commerce in order for our consumers um, to be able to wear, but also the idea of making sure that we are highlighting the diversity within the fashion industry. You know, what Eunice Johnson, I mean, her, her collection of couture gowns and such is legendary. And we absolutely want to make sure that Ebony is at the front of pushing the diversity within the fashion industry, making sure that designers from models to also the supply chain again making sure that it's the full ecosystem and not just the designers that are being lifted because again who put this together what was the fabric you know 
um, Genesis within this hoodie, was that a, a, a diverse supply chain? And if not, why? And how do we change that? And what are the resources that the community needs to know in order to not only be a designer, but have an opportunity to be part of the entire ecosystem? So that's what I envision Ebony and Jet being able to do is to have its own platform that we're able to produce content and, and have a diverse e-commerce and, and move into spaces that the brand hasn't ever done before, but also to make sure that it is a platform that, like you said, can be a spotlight, can also be a fund within. You know, what is the way that we're able to use the brand to fund the next, you know, big whatever it might be, whether it's the next person who invents um, the next Tesla, the next Uber, you know, all the different things that we feel the brand can can live in the spaces that um, others couldn't. Yeah, it's fantastic. As you mentioned, we know that innovation, that creativity, that design, that boldness, that brilliance is in our community. And it's wonderful to have a platform to ensure that we can tap into that and tell those stories. You know, well, another thing that is quite a legacy within Ebony and Jet is your home in Chicago. I'm sure it is top of mind for a lot of people. Will that be something that continues? Or are you thinking about something different um, as you move forward in the new, in the new era? I think, you know, if you would have asked me that pre- pandemic, I would have had a completely different, you know, answer for you. I think post, you know, as we kind of head into more opening of things and um, that the idea of of a home office is very different um, than what I think we all traditionally thought. I mean, I'm coming to you from my home, which is something I never would, I never thought I would do. I thought I would be in my office and kind of that type of thought process. So for us, we said, we have to be flexible. We have to be innovative. So Chicago will always be home. You can still see Ebony and Jet in the skyline um, as you're coming into the city. But what is it about Chicago now and who's making the waves and how do we create an operation and an ecosystem around that? Same thing we're thinking about in Atlanta, same thing in Houston and other cities that Again, it doesn't always have to be kind of the major cities that we're operating in. We want to go where the innovation is happening, where our people need us to be in showing up in ways that are new and are fresh. So we talk about what is our, our ebony with historically Black colleges, not just from covering it on, on our platform, but the idea is what does that partnership look like? If we say there's not enough of us in STEM, okay, well, how does Ebony create the partnership and actually have a, a possible brick and mortar of, of lab or innovation in order to, to facilitate that gap closing? So that's why Chicago is going to be home, but we're going to come to it and formulate it to what is necessary for the community so that it serves Chicagoans, which my husband is a Chicagoan. That's where we met. I lived in Chicago for six years, but we want to make sure that what we do there is authentic to the community and not just another company there. And we, we don't have real, um, real ties on, on moving the, the local kind of community forward. 
Yeah. No, we both, Chicago is an adopted home for me. So I'm sure there's a lot of um, people really glad to hear about the connections to the roots of the brand. But as you mentioned, really thinking about being borderless as well. I mean, you mentioned the emails that you got from Brazil and places around the world. So how do you create that same energy that we naturally get from the wonderful city of Chicago and put that in other cities that can equally benefit from that community impact? I think it's a good, challenging question and glad to hear one that you guys are trying to tackle as you move forward in the new brand. You know, from a content perspective, uh, you know, you're putting fresh eyes on the magazine, on the digital platform, on all the things that Ebony can be. What's your vision for the new types of content that you love to see? You know, are you going to think about expanding a subscriber base or do you really, you talked about the sense of home, like how do those two things come together and what's your vision from a content perspective with fresh look on what this can be? Yeah, absolutely. So naturally it's having the writer base, you know, in diverse with that, we said we have to have the established voices um, that can obviously get certain eyeballs, but how do we get the, the sense of citizen journalism? You know, so much obviously was happening, so much misinformation being out there with social injustice to even COVID to everything in between that it's not just coming from a traditional standpoint of media and who gets the opportunity to share and to have their voice heard, but making sure that the the community um, feels that their voice is heard. So that's where innovation and technology is going to be something that we said the company has to lead with. We aren't a media company. Internally, we say we have to be a technology company um, in order to facilitate that, in order for content to be created and distributed in a way that all can consume. So whether it's through partnerships with Netflix and things like that, on making sure certain stories are, are told, to the idea that Ebony can be that hub for content creators. The idea that you need to see it in your home with your people first. And how do we monetize that in a way that they feel, okay, my home took care of me and now I can go out into the world to do so. And so that's kind of the ideas that we're working on in say our innovation lab um, that we're building in order to, again, think of ourselves not just as another media company, because there's plenty, you know, we say we're not a shade room, we're not a world star hip hop or baller alert, um, and we're not CNN. We have to be unapologetically ebony. And mm -hmm. what that's going to mean in the future is what we feel we have to be that diverse um, brand, that diverse platform that gives you everything that you need um, and then the things that you didn't realize you needed it in the ways that you can consume. What most people don't realize is that African-Americans consume content the most and across all types of platforms. So for us, we have the fun of being able to not be boxed in. The idea that I can do podcasts and I can do everything and even create the next, you know, instead of just waiting for someone to create it. What is that innovation that can come out of the brand that leads it forward? We didn't know what Clubhouse was a year ago. Here we all are, you know, 
on it and seeing all the on it, trying to get the invitation, waiting, giving them out. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that's the type of innovation that we're we're putting together and we're looking for those that talent in order to create for us. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I mean, you make it sound so exciting and the possibilities truly are endless in terms Mm -hmm. of podcast and digital and blogs, and there's just so much to do. Um, But I think you would appreciate that you're living the dream and changing the dynamic in the power seat, but also excited for you and your journey as a new mom. And so two questions for you. Um, One, Talk to us about working mothers and and what you think that might mean for Ebony and where you the role that you could play uh, with with the with the platform and sort of being a voice for working mothers as well. And then, of course, personally, I know you have that new edition coming. I'd love to just hear personally how excited it is for you and your family and what it means for you as you take on that new challenge as well. Absolutely. So I think you know my mother, although she didn't go outside of the home to work. Again, I referenced in the beginning, that was probably the closest as far as entrepreneurship, you know, what she was able to do on managing the house, managing my siblings and I, the idea of making sure that that ran like any business needed to. Um, So for me, seeing the power of what my mom was able to do And the idea that it took a partnership as well. You know, I think so many times, and again, I I am just entering into this, so I could absolutely get this wrong. You could ask me in three months, you know, the same question. I can tell you a completely different answer. But but what I can only say is my vantage point within how my parent structure was. And it really was a partnership. And it really was an understanding of each other's role. And so for me, as I enter into being a working mom, it's yes, the excitement for that, but also the privilege of having a partner that we can work this through together because I can't do it all and I don't plan to do it all at one time, but I know with the right support system, I'm going to be able to see, you know, my dreams come, you know, to fruition and the idea of, yes, I'm beyond excited, but also you know, the idea that my, we're having a girl, my daughter um, will be able to grow up and kind of see her mom in this role and kind of everything that I'm planning to do with these brands. I won't lie. It, it definitely um, makes me quite emotional, you know, just the idea of, of having that be part of, you know, my, my family dynamic, as well as I have two nieces and two nephews that they will be able to see, you know, their aunt um, in this, in this role and kind of managing it and and it being kind of a family unit. And that's really how, you know, this second generation is being set up. My siblings and I and our significant others are that next team. So instead of it just being per se, my parents, now you have an even larger group to lean on. So my sister-in-laws, you know, to my brothers, it's it's really, I'm very fortunate and I, I definitely don't take my situation and all without um, understanding a bit of humbleness and appreciation that I do have that support system in order to be the chairwoman, the owner of Ebony and Jet and everything else that I try to pursue 
as well as being able to have the most important role, which is going to be mom. I love it. I love it so much. And I think this has been such a wide ranging conversation. You've shared so much with our audience. I maybe just have one question for you. And, you know, we've talked a lot about legacy and that's the work that we do as BNY Mellon, working with families like yours to really think about generational wealth, protecting for the next level of the family, building legacy in 50, 75, 100 years as we look back at the Eden Bridgman Scalar legacy of Ebony Jet. What, what would you hope some of the things that people would say about your time in the seat? What are you really hoping it will signify and mean? I think that we, I think for me, it would be that it honestly, I don't even, I don't even want necessarily anyone talking, you know, about me. I would rather the work that I was able to do that my family was able to support and that the the true workforce is is not me. It's from our CEO and all those individuals that will be part of, we say the rebirth and building um, this legacy for the masses to be able to participate and to consume. So for me, if I'm not part of it, but the legacy is still continuing, then I can feel that I did a job well done um, because that again goes against um, we'll say the the value system of being you know that servant leader um, and that's where my my parents instilled that in myself and my siblings and that's what I plan on instilling in the next generation within our family um, so that that's how I would definitely want to to look back and see not that I did anything but but others did through my servant leadership. Fantastic. Well, Eden, you've been uh, fantastic tonight. You've been so open. We've taken so much away from your perspective, your journey, um, even doing it. You're already demonstrating that it can be done. As I mentioned, you already have a working baby who is who's holding on to allow us to hold this event because I know you're due any day now. Um, and it just is demonstrative of how uh, how how much your uh, your family values have really been instilled, and we are all here to support you as you continue the journey and bringing this iconic brand uh, forward to the next generation because it means so much to so many of us, and it's so fantastic to see uh, that you will be the steward of that brand for generations to come. Eden, again, thank you. We appreciate your friendship, your partnership. We wish you and your family and your daughter health and happiness. Thank you. Hey everyone, Tom here again. Thanks again for joining. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. As I said at the top, uh, keep listening on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Most importantly, if you're willing, leave a review or a rating and tell us your feedback. You can find us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and bnymelon.com. Thanks again for joining. We'll see you on the next episode.